Welcome back to the Badass Reset Club. And you guys know I love to bring in people who are going to really give us some good information. And we don't hold anything back because, you know, women need to help each other. We're going through some stuff in our lives and we need to hit that badass reset in whatever way we can. So today I am bringing in the one and the only, the vagina coach, Kim Botney. Welcome to the Badass Reset Club, a special place where if you've lost your way, girl, we're here to help guide you back. Those club doors are opened up wide so we can discuss all things, fitness, nutrition, body composition, hormones, menopause, beauty, headspace, and more. Hey there, my name's Heather. I'm a fitness expert, nutrition coach, autoimmune athlete, mom of three pretty cool kids, and married to one handsome firefighter. I started this club because after years of over-exercising, under-fueling, gaining weight, dealing with Hashimoto's disease, and experiencing hormones gone crazy, I knew there had to be a better way. So come on in, badass. Let's hit that reset together. Kim, I have been following you for so long. And I'm like, I've shared you with my private group so many times. I've shared Thank your you. buff muff, buff muff method. <laughs> I kind of just like saying it, but you <laughs> like, you're so clever in how you're just opening up doors to have these conversations. You bring the value, you bring the education, but you also make it very accessible. And women want to talk to you and learn from you because of that, you know? You're not well, stuffy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. That's my intention. So I'm glad that it's coming out that way. Thank yes. you very much for that. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I want to talk to you about a couple different things, mostly because the women that listen to this are, are 40 and up. We are, the majority of us are postmenopausal. I'm sure that there's some younger gals listening, which I'm glad because they need to learn these things too. Yes. But I do want to dive into, I'm I'm super obsessed with what you've been talking about lately too, with muscle fibers in the pelvic floor and menopause and the changes that we go through. Mm-hmm. Can, can we start there? Like, yeah. I've always equated, you know, these type one, type two fibers as being a runner, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like I'm yeah. not the sprinter, I'm the yeah. endurance girl. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that we have these muscle fibers in our pelvic floor. Like let's dive into that and talk about what's happening and what's changing in menopause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's so many facets that are, you know, all we've ever really been told or learned about the pelvic floor. We haven't even probably even heard the term pelvic floor. Maybe recently it starts to, it's more of a common term, but it's like, do your Kegels. And that's all we really, that's the only education. And even then it's been bad education because we have just received a brochure says go to your kegels and it's this elusive exercise that nobody really knows what are we doing how do we do them but mm-hmm. the, the pelvic floor is a group of muscles like the rest of our body and it has slow twitch muscle fibers and fast twitch muscle fibers like the rest of our body and yes genetically people some people you know you've got probably more type one than the sprinters who have generally more type two so we, there is some like uniqueness there, depending on the person from a a pelvic floor perspective, when we look at the breakdown research has shown that it's about 70, 30 ish roughly. Mm. So 70% of type one, 30% type two and type two are the sprinters. Those are the quick reaction fibers. Those are the ones that we 
need to be working well when we laugh or cough or sneeze or jump or do something quick where there's a sudden rise in intra-abdominal pressure and the pelvic floor needs to manage that pressure mm-hmm. with the right, like at the right time. So the timing is important and the amount of force that it can generate is important. So that's more type two. And just in general, research points to the fact that as human beings, we generally lose more type two muscle fibers as we age. And it was also associated with postmenopause as well, that there was a, a decrease in type two. Now that's whole body. But if we think about, we already don't have a ton of type two muscle fibers in the pelvic floor relative to how many type one we have. Mm-hmm. And we know that as we age and reach menopause, there's going to be a decrease of that. It's it's another reason why, not the only, but it's another reason why things like stress urinary incontinence become more common, especially around the menopause transition and as we get older. Got it. That makes sense. And I really like that breakdown of looking at it differently because we can hear those things that, yes, it's not the same and we don't have as much as we used to. But yep. when you really look at the, the fact that we have very different muscle fibers yeah, that, that are going to change. I think that makes um. I think it makes it less shameful too. You yeah, know? totally. It's not. Yeah, we 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 carry a lot of weight that it's our fault, and somehow we haven't done enough. We haven't done Kegels. We haven't. You know, it, it's just another thing that we feel like we've failed at, and it's physiology and it's aging and it's all these things that sure, if if we knew about this ahead of time and we chose not to do all the things, all the strategies that could help, then yeah, we could take a little bit of responsibility. But there's a lot of things that we just simply don't know. And and this is some of this is new emerging evidence. There was even one study that looked at the actual diameter of our muscle fibers, both type N1 and type 2, the 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 diameter of the muscle fibers also decrease. So oh it's the number and it's the 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 actual diameter, the size of them, which I thought was interesting as well too. So I think cool areas for research to to look more into that specific to the pelvic floor, but even for the whole body. But it's it's one thing. And there's also, which I'm sure we'll talk about the hormonal component. There's the postural considerations. There's uh, the amount of heavy lifting that we do. There's pregnancy and childbirth. There's Mm -hmm. like, there's so many things that influence the pelvic floor and again, usually we're, well, just go to your Kegels and it's going to solve everything. And that's absolutely not true. Yeah. Well, that was my next question. Kegels are down the list. But my next question is, <laughs> you know, as a trainer, like I am wanting whole body responses. I don't want just glam muscles. I don't like, and yeah. especially when I'm working with these women who are older, I really want postural muscles to be strengthened. Yep. But we talk a lot in in my coaching, we talk a lot about the pelvic floor and I do talk about it with guys too, because they've got one too. Yep. Um, But what are some things besides like breathing, what are some things that I can help women with that women can focus on with regard to strength training with how we're talking more and more about lifting heavy shit these days? Mm -hmm. Like how do we work on incorporating strength training into the pelvic floor without giving us your whole program. Mm -hmm. What are some, what are some things that we can do or be aware of or start to focus on? Yeah, I'll tell you my method. It's not rocket science. Um, and people can choose to come in and kind of have curated programs done for them, or they can join yourself and take the principles there. It's, 
really it comes down to, again, we've never really been taught about this group of muscles that is really pretty central. It's, it's the, it's kind of the middle part of our body and it's what helps us transfer loads from upper to lower limb. Mm -hmm. It is the foundation of our core. The pelvic floor literally is the foundation of the core. And we've all been doing core exercise and heard core, this core, that for years, but nobody's ever said anything about the pelvic floor being part of that. It's always usually like do your abs or do your transversus or do low back. That's kind of the, what we think of as core, right? Mm -hmm. And if we don't have that knowledge of the pelvic floor, the awareness of it, how to, how to activate and relax it. And if we've had things along the way that have contributed to potentially the pelvic floor, not doing all the things that it's supposed to do, not working as part of the core team, Mm -hmm. then we might be prone to injury. We might have kind of chronic aches and pains. We might start to experience the leaks. We might have pelvic organ prolapse where the organs start to shift out of their optimal positions. There's lots of different presentations of what would be under the umbrella of pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And they should be like, we can't see our pelvic floor muscles. We can't go and flex them in the mirror like we do with our biceps or our legs, right? (laughs) I mean, you could try, but even then you can't like there's the inside. So we have to kind of, we use cues and imagery to, to help understand where these pelvic floor muscles are. They attach to the pubic joint, the tailbone, and our two sit bones. Those are sort of the attachment points. It's three different layers of muscle. And cueing and imagery is what helps us connect with those muscles. Breath is something that helps us connect with those those muscles. And the, the, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor really work synergistically. So when we're inhaling, that's a lengthening, relaxing phase of the pelvic floor. And when we exhale, there's a contract and lift. And if we think of fitness and exercise and lifting usually in fitness generally we say exhale on exertion mm-hmm. and when with my like my my method the buff muff method is most people are coming in there with some sort of a challenge they're looking to overcome so we want to retrain the reaction time of the pelvic floor we want to build strength and endurance capacity of those muscles by doing increased sets and repetitions with whole body movement. So a limitation with Kegels, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in, in a minute, but Kegels are limited in the sense of they're a static exercise. We do them usually sitting or laying down. At least that's how they're mm-hmm. how they're taught or told or how we think we're, we should be doing them. But things like we when we're lifting heavy, when we push a heavy door open, when I lift groceries off the floor, with when I lift a grandchild, like that's when we need the pelvic floor to react at the right time with the right amount of force. And that's when we may experience sensations of heaviness or pressure, or we might have some leaks. So if we're not training the pelvic floor with dynamic whole body movement, we're missing out an element of training that, right? So with the buff muff method, it's about retraining that reaction time and, uh, and then adding it to whole body movement. So I do what's called the core breath, which is kind of basically what a Kegel is, but I coordinate that with the breath and some posture awareness. Once people understand that, and, and I'd say the majority of people are like, oh my gosh, I've been breathing wrong the whole my whole life. It's not like, I mean, we've all been breathing, we're all alive, <laughs> but, and there's yeah. different breath practices. But for the purposes, what we're trying to do is harness what physiologically is normally happening, where there's a lengthening of the pelvic floor on an inhale and a contract and lift on the exhale. Mm-hmm. So we practice the core breath, we layer it into things like, early on, it's things like a bridge or a pelvic tilt some gentle squats and we aren't using resistance. We're just doing the motion, 
Then as we get more familiar with that, now we're going to increase the sets. We're going to increase the reps. We're going to add some resistance, whether it's resistance bands on our legs or carrying weights in our hands, and then applying the principles of fitness of progressive overload to the, the pelvic floor. The, the challenge I think is because we've generally had, you know, a lack of education of pelvic floor health, and many people have other things that have contributed to the pelvic floor, not working optimally. Mm-hmm. Then they go into some sort of, you know, hit class, CrossFit, running, whatever, doesn't matter the activity. If the pelvic floor is not optimized, it's, it's usually that's when symptoms start to show up. It's not because that is a bad exercise. It's that the, that pelvic floor doesn't have the capacity to manage those loads. So we need to kind of back it up, retrain, and then progressively load back. Does that make sense? And answer so your smart. Yes. That's so smart. You know, I think breaking it down and going back a bit would would be better for a lot of people. Sorry, I, I forgot to add one thing in there when you were asking about posture and stabilization, and mm-hmm. and that's ultimately where we get our control from. The pelvic part of the role of the pelvic floor is to control is core stability, control with load and transferring loads, and when we when the pelvic floor is not working optimally, then when we are trying to transfer loads or lift heavy things or do explosive dynamic movement, if the pelvic floor is not optimized, that's where injury is very likely. It could be injury and dysfunction to the pelvic floor. It could be back. 95% of women with low back pain have some form of pelvic floor dysfunction. So it's really, there are these deep muscles as part of the core system and a big component of what they do is help with that posture and stability. Sorry, I decided to add that little. No, that I I love that. And that statistic that you've said, I've heard you say elsewhere, 95% is huge. Mm -hmm. And I do work with women who have been through back pain on and off for years and, you know, tying their shoe will set them off. Yeah. It's, it's really a problem. And so like I do now refer to pelvic floor therapy, whereas before it would be like, okay, let's pull back. Let's, you know, take it easy, walk, try to stay loose, but it never like that never occurred to me. And so now I do recommend that. Um, I've been to a PT as well. I've, I've had my own issues for years. Mm-hmm. I thought I was getting reoccurring bladder infections, but it was just mm-hmm. from having a hypertonic pelvic floor that was pressing against my bladder. Right. Totally. Yeah. And we all have things, we all have things. And I, one of the biggest messages I say all the time is we need to treat our pelvic floor like we do our our oral health, our mouth. Like we have been taught from a very young age to brush our teeth and floss and go see the dentist once or twice a year for a checkup. And and we go for a checkup. We don't go because we have a toothache. We don't we don't only go to the dentist if we have an issue. We go for this checkup and this screening. And we should be doing the same. We should have that same practice for our pelvic floor and and catch these things before they become problems because so many women, because there's so much shame and taboo and embarrassment, women suffer for years, Mm. years before they go and seek help. And they don't even, many people don't even know about pelvic floor physical therapy. So then they go to their doctor, don't want to discount the medical profession, but I don't believe they're our best first line of defense for pelvic floor conditions. They, that so often things can be helped and, and improved with pelvic floor physical therapy and, and an awareness of lifestyle things like estrogen. Once we approach menopause, a thousand percent, we need our medical doctor or a naturopathic doctor for that. But for the actual function and fitness of our pelvic floor, pelvic floor physical therapy is hands down 
our best bet. And we should all be going once a year for a checkup, even if you have no symptoms. I think that's so smart. I really do. I'll book my appointment (laughs) since it's been about a year and a half. (laughs) I'll get on it. Do you want to talk about estrogen cream? Do you want to talk about Mm -hmm. keeping our pelvic floor happy, our vaginas happy? (laughs) Yeah, vulva, vagina, like as we said earlier, it's it's so much more than just Kegels. And, you know, we talked about the muscle fiber being one component. We have age-related muscle and strength loss. And that's another component. Strength loss actually happens sooner than uh, than muscle loss. And, and that's something that we kind of have to fight against. And then we also have the loss of collagen. We have the loss of hyaluronic acid. Those are both naturally occurring molecules that we produce less as we age definitely plays a role in the pelvic floor as well. And then we have estrogen, we have our hormones and estrogen is what is, it's like our juicy hormone. It, it contributes to suppleness and tissue resilience. And when we lose it, once we reach our menopause, we have loads of estrogen receptors in the walls of our vagina all around our bladder. And when we are now at this point where we have no more estrogen, the tissues in the vagina, around like externally in the vulva, around our clitoris, tissues around our bladder become thinner and drier. And we may experience burning sensations, itching, painful urination, painful sex, like sandpaper sex, a lot of people say. And then it's frustrating because we're leaking urine, which is wetness, and we have sandpaper sex, which is dryness, which is used to be the reverse. We used to have these nice juicy vaginas. And we didn't have any leaking. And that can be really frustrating, Mm -hmm. obviously. And so an increased risk of urinary symptoms, urgency, frequency, like I really have to get to the bathroom or I feel like I'm going to the bathroom all the time, uh, painful sex, which we talked about already, and also an increased risk of UTIs. And this is something that, you know, some people may say, well, I've, I've, I've never had a UTI in my life. It doesn't mean that you won't ever have one and they can, they can progress to being really quite dangerous. And, and so when we don't have estrogen, when the estrogen is low, the pH of our vaginas, which is typically more acidic, which helps protect us from infection are, are, we become um, less acidic. And so we are more prone to infection. And and if we have any uh, thinning and almost like retracting of the tissues, especially around the tip of the urethra, which can be common. So atrophy of tissue that can also leave the tip of the urethra more exposed, which can also increase the risk of infection. So all the evidence and the, the doctors that I follow in this space, there's two prominent urologists who I follow and, and pretty much from the age of 45 onwards is kind of the recommendation right now, potentially sooner, maybe a little bit later, but Around the age of 45, most women would benefit from starting vaginal estrogen. Don't wait until you have dryness. Don't wait until you have painful sex. Don't wait until you have urgency or that those symptoms are increasing. Mm-hmm. Know that pretty all of us are going to lose our, our estrogen if we reach menopause. Not every single person is going to experience those symptoms, but about 80% statistically, 80% of women will. And that is not something that in, improves over time. Like, Brain fog sometimes will improve. Hot flashes will sometimes improve, but vaginal dryness and the atrophy, the the, the urine—it's called genitourinary syndrome of menopause. It's a big mouthful, but all of mm-hmm. the symptoms that I mentioned are sort of under that umbrella. That does not improve with time. It's not something you just need to get through. 
happens to the majority of us and it doesn't improve with time. So let's be proactive and get ahead of the game, keep the pH of our vaginas in check, make sure we can have pleasurable sex without burning and dryness and irritation. Make sure we have as much, like let's throw everything we can at the pelvic floor, knowing that we are up against this hormone loss, collagen loss, hyaluronic acid, acid loss, muscle fiber loss. Like let's do all the things that we can to prevent and preserve as much as we can the function of this part of the body. Because when it's not working, we have lots of symptoms that really interfere with the quality of our life and it sucks. And, you know, and, and people stop exercising because of it. People stop having intimate relationships because of it. People stop socializing. People stop living because they're afraid, because maybe there's not going to be a bathroom, because they're ashamed, because they're worried somebody's going to smell, like all these things. And it just, it takes our quality of life down drastically. So let's do all we can to make sure that's not happening. Yeah. Thank you for saying all those things. Like, let's make that part of reality too, because nobody's talking about it. I mean, maybe in our circles, we're talking a little more, but the majority of people aren't talking about that. Where do we get, I know the hyaluronic acid is not the stuff that we're putting on our face. Where do we look for stuff that is specific to safe for the vagina? Yeah, there's loads of companies coming out with vaginal moisturizers and hyaluronic acid products. So, um, and and it's different. I get get asked about different parts of the world. And unfortunately, I live in North America. I'm I'm more aware of the products here. I'm not aware of everything everywhere. But Mm. if you Google hyaluronic acid vaginal moisturizer, ideally in the country that you're in, I'm pretty sure that it exists in most places. Okay. Um, Bonafide is one in the United States. Uh, Feel Amazing is, that's the one that I use. That's the one I really like. And it's available all across North America, potentially even international shipping. I'm not sure, but it may be expensive. Uh, Good Clean Love, which also has great lubricants. They have two moisturizers. One has hyaluronic acid, one doesn't. I do recommend the one with hyaluronic acid. Um, hyaluronic acid is again, something we produce naturally produce less as we age, and it has the capacity to retain moisture. And so it is not replacing your estrogen. It is not acting as a lubricant, Mm -hmm. but it is helping the tissues maintain more moisture and, and, and stay hydrated throughout the day. Okay. Got it. Okay. Next question. The Kegels. Let's get to those dang Kegels. (laughs) So (laughs) you're the one who taught me the proper way to do Kegels. So thank you very much. I was told by my doctor after one of my kids was born to do them when I'm brushing my teeth and when I'm driving and I get to a stoplight. So when you said sitting or laying down, yeah, that one for sure. When I was sitting in the car, um, I don't do Kegels very often because I've got this, you know, I I need to relax a little bit more. Um, who needs to do them? How do they know when? So I argue everybody does. We just may need to have different prescriptions of it. And I don't mean like a medical prescription. I just mean like that it's like the Kegel RX, you know, how many sets, how many reps, that kind of thing. Like a Tone it down, Heather. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so gold standard, I've I've said it already, go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Mm -hmm. If you live in Canada, they're called physiotherapists as opposed to physical therapists. It's the same profession. It's just a slightly different name, but they will be the ones to evaluate if you are doing it correctly. So that's your, that's the gold standard. Some people may not have access geographically, may not have access financially, may not feel comfortable due to traumas or what have you in, in their 
passed and that's totally fine. That doesn't mean like, oh, my pelvic floor is never going to work if I can't see one. That's absolutely not true. And you can also see that see one and not have the internal evaluation. So there is still value in seeing that person. But we can also self-assess. So we could use our own fingers and we could insert one, usually two is best in the vagina. First of all, that's that's knowledge in and of itself. Can we insert one or two fingers? Mm-hmm. And do we feel a little bit of tone around our fingers or does it feel very lax? Do we mm. feel like one side is tighter than another? Um, so that's just the insertion part can be helpful information. The other, once they're inserted is now we want to see, can I hug? So if you imagine that the fingers are inserted into the vagina, if we use cues like the most common one that people like is imagine picking up a blueberry with your vagina and your anus. So if we think about that, so if I'm activating my muscles, thinking about, I'm going to grab a a blueberry and lift it up, there should be a gentle hug of the fingers. And it's not like you're pulling your fingers deeper into you, but just a general sort of upward motion and then a release. Okay. So those three things, hug, lift, release should all be happening. And so do we feel that? Do we feel like we can feel a hug? Do we feel like there's a gentle lift? Can we let go? Some people say I I can do the lift, but then it's hard for me to let go. That's very, very common. Mm -hmm. And so gold standard, see a pelvic floor physical therapist. You can also self-assess if you have a partner, a partner could use their fingers. If it's a male, they could use their penis. Those are forms of biofeedback. You can also get a biofeedback device. The one of the most common you've probably been marketed to is called the PeriFit. And the PeriFit is like a little, kind of looks like a little like a intestine shape. That sounds weird, but it's like a little tube that has a couple of little indentations. It's inserted into the vagina. There's a white cord almost that is outside and that has Bluetooth capability. So it attaches to an app on your phone. And when you contract, lift and let go of the pelvic floor, it registers on your app and they have little video games that you play. So it's like no you're way. a bird and you want to... <laughs> not hit the clouds or you're a rabbit and you want to jump over the mushrooms. Like I'm just, <laughs> I don't know all the different games they have, but that's how wow. <laughs> give you an idea of what you do. And it, that can be really helpful. It can be motivating because it's visual and you can actually see, because again, it's a group of muscles we can't see. So yeah, having biofeedback can be helpful for us to identify if we are using them in the contract and lift and let go state. So those are a few ways to determine, but Things like you, you've just said one. So you notice that you had sort of this urgency burning feeling Mm -hmm. all the time. And some people could think UTIs. Some people could think prolapse. Maybe not everybody would go there because not everyone knows what a prolapse is, but my mind could go there. I also could say constipation could be another one. Um, And, and that case, like tightness in the muscles, creating urgency and burning is is not the person who I would say, go home and do your Kegels at every red light and brushing your teeth and right. But I wouldn't say don't ever do Kegels and don't ever do the contract. Okay. So from a fitness perspective, if somebody has tight traps, I'm not going to have the person do shoulder shrugs at least right away. It's not, I'm not going to remove all opportunities for the muscle to go through that range of motion. I'm going to work on lengthening and releasing tension, mm-hmm. body awareness, understanding what's creating those patterns. But then I still want to provide the input of the range of mo- motion that those muscles can experience. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So 
with the pelvic floor, it's no different. So I, if somebody says I have a hypertonic pelvic floor, I've been told my pelvic floor is too tight, or they have those urgency burning feelings and it's not related to anything else. I'm not going to say to them, don't ever do Kegels again. They're bad for you. I'm going to say, let's work on releasing tension. Let's look at what is contributing to those, to you having tightness. Is it fear? Is it trauma? Is it um, is it biomechanical from the positions that you hold your body in through the day? Is it your footwear? Is it like, there's so many contributing factors. So let's rule those out and try to get to the root of why we have the tension. Maybe it's scar tissue and some of the scar tissue is, is creating some tension. So can we free up and mobilize that scar tissue? Can we experience releasing tension with hamstring lengthening, with posterior pelvic floor release, with the breath? to calm the nervous system, to have the the muscles and the person feel safe with that movement. Because people who are afraid of leaking, people who feel like their organs are shifting out of position, they're guarded. They have tension because they're feeling like, I don't want something to fall out of me. And so building the trust and the safety so that those muscles can let go is important. But then we want to say, remember pelvic floor, you have this whole range of motion that you go through Let's take you through that range of motion every, say, third or fourth repetition in a series of 10 Mm. to get familiar and comfortable and see the tolerance of that person. And then just like anything else, we don't stop stretching. We don't stop moving. We have a combination of both, maybe an emphasis on one over the other, dependent on the day or the week or the, the person themselves, their symptoms. Such gold. I love all of what you just said. And so like, I plan on listening to this again because you've, <laughs> you've dropped so much information. I'm not sure how you have the time to do it all. Uh, you know, I, it, I, in knowing what you do, you are all over the place. You have your own podcast. The name of your podcast between two lips is maybe my favorite podcast name ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will make sure that people can find you pelvianwellness.com. Yes. Vaginacoach.com is easier to say and easier to spell and easier to remember. Perfect. Perfect. I'll link that in the show notes. Kim has multiple options to work with her. She's got different programs. She's an author. You have a few books. Um, you are a busy lady. And I saw that you're leading a retreat as well. Yes. I'm, I'm, I have a, I have a co-host with me. Uh, we did it last year, actually, and it was just absolutely magical and wonderful. So after that, we're like, let's do it again. We press repeat and yeah, we're 50% sold out now. And and it's just, it's, it's such a treat to like, I work in the online space and often like this, and I love this, but I love, I miss as many of us did connection and in person. And there's a, there's a magic that happens when you know that you're not alone and you're, you're, you're being witnessed and you are witnessing other people who have their own stories and their own pelvic health histories. And we are exploring movement together. We are nourishing our bodies together. We're sleeping in the same rooms with, with bunk mates. And like, it's just, it's, it's just, it's such a special time. It's amazing. Yes. I, I can picture it. (laughs) It's um, at the end of August, I believe. So go check that out. Everybody check out everything that Kim has to offer. I have one last question for you. Sure. What makes you feel like a badass? My pelvic floor, of course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, um, actually, I, I kind of will say, I think my knowledge about this part of the body mm-hmm. and my capacity to share it in a way that is accessible 
that makes me feel like a badass. Love it. Thank (laughs) you for your time. Anything that you wanted to share with us that I didn't ask you about? I think one powerful message is that it's never too late. So even if you're listening to this and you are well past menopause and you are thinking it's too late for me, it's absolutely never too late. You don't ever have to have been pregnant to have these problems. I have a woman who's 92 in my membership and she is experiencing change in her symptoms. So it's, it's absolutely Mm. never too late. I want to make sure people know that. I hope my mom heard that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That is super powerful. And I appreciate that. And I think that, um, you know, this powerful collection of people coming from all different backgrounds of knowledge and experience and sharing them like this is just, it's, it's something that we need to be doing all the time. So keep up all your great work and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And until next time, stay badass and we will see you in the club soon. Well, there you have it. One step closer to feeling strong, confident, and inspired to take care of you again. And you know what's even more badass? Sharing this with a gal pal that might need a little fist pump in her life. If you got some inspo from this episode, I'd be honored if you took a screenshot for your social and tagged me at Coach Heather Yancey so I can send you a personal thank you. And please know that if you could take a minute to rate and review the show, it helps get this podcast to more people. And that's super badass. And finally, if you haven't joined the Badass Reset Club on Facebook, what are you waiting for? I'll see you over there and go get them.